right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I, Willie B, is presented by CarParts.com. If you join that mobile experience, at least the number of people that have, because that thing's kind of blowing up. It's one of the few places you actually get parts nowadays, and they make the whole process really easy, dropped right to your door. So we'll get to more on that in a minute. My man, Kev, I know you're fired up for today, bro. This is vintage. This is classic stuff in uh, in modern interpretations, you know? Oh, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> Uh, we talk about vintage. Yeah, let's talk about racing. Uh, you know, from way back in the day, and some of the evolutions we're going to get into with you know our topic today: the individual throttle body, man, the stacks. It's all about stacks. Yeah, dude. And uh, you know, when you think about a performance car, performance hot rod, a race car, it's hard not to kind of have that image in your head. You know, whether it's you know stacks coming up through the hood. Uh, what do you think in sprint cars? What do you think in drag cars? What do you think in hot rods? I mean, it's kind of the you know, it was the go-to back in the day, and um, it still is today, but, you know, with hood clearances and all those kind of things, uh, we don't see as many on any of the newer products, but, man, when somebody rolls in with a set of stacks on some old Mustang, Camaro, maybe even one of those Mopars, you know, like, <laughs> uh, you know, it turns heads, man. It is definitely an eye-catcher. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I've been out to Bonneville, you know, eight or nine times for the, you know, uh, world of speed and we can speed competitions. I, I love going there just because, you know, the heritage, all the pedigree that's out there and, and you know, true old school formats. But w when you see some of these old vintage cars, then you see some of the new modern cars and the way they're adapting, you know, fuel injection into those stacks now and kind of a resurgence almost in that look. You know, that old school hot rod look is has really come full circle. So you really don't just see it on old school stuff anymore, but now there's new adaptations and new fuel injection setups where you can run those stacks and get that nostalgic look, but all the performance you would expect out of, you know, a badass fuel injection system. Well, yeah, I mean, they look awesome, right? We've got a certain imagery, certain, you know, nostalgia to them, but there's a reason they perform like crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't have this big... Uh, you know, intake manifold to fill, you know, you crack the throttle open, it's upstream, right? The throttles are really close to the port, so you get really fast response. Uh, and then you got a lot of tunability with just the length of the stack, uh, yeah. just like we do with headers, right? We're tuning the headers with certain lengths of exhaust pipe, but we're doing the same thing on the intake. And again, with packaging, a lot of these intake manifolds, they're very constrained. Uh, you know, they fold in on themselves, they're very crumpled over. Uh, so you can get a set of stacks that shoot straight up in the air, or you can get a really hot setup where they kind of lean over on each other and aim at 
you know, either uh, inner fender uh, to get under a lot of these hood applications, but you still get all the same benefits uh, of a stack setup. Yeah, it, and it's funny because I'm a, I, I feel like this is going to be one of those those shows or podcasts where people are going to want to take some notes <laughs> uh, because who we have on here is such a great resource for that. And you, you think about, you know, especially the older school mechanical fuel injection, it's really, you know, got those big barrel valves. And like you said, that butterfly is right there. So the response is really snappy, just wop, 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 you know, and uh, it, it's really a, a rudimentary system. But man, it's been around just busting booty out on racetracks everywhere from, you know, mile stuff to Bonneville stuff to the drag strip. Uh, it's always been fantastic when it comes to performance. And today, we really get to dive into it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure there's a lot of considerations uh, on how to set them up, how to make them tune right. Um, but you get a good system, man, and it is the bomb. And there's a lot of, you know, ITB makers out there that have kind of popped up, you know, kind of the, the, the Chinese versions or whatever. Um, it's Chinese versions of everything, bro. There's Chinese versions of us. Uh, two, two's littler guys' garage. <laughs> That's right, man. So you can get the look, uh, but I'm not sure if you get the same kind of quality and feel. So we're going to the top dogs. These guys have been around since 1967, man. Anyone who knows anything about you know individual throttle body and, and fuel injection know exactly who I'm talking about. This is Kinsler Fuel Injection. These guys have been around forever. They're in the R&D development. I mean, you have probably never seen a car with a real legit setup on it that didn't come from them, right? They are the ones to go to. Well, look, we're gonna go to them. So let's get this break out of the way and we'll do just that. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird, I am Willie B, and we're back after the break. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It's presented by CarParts.com. I'm telling you, this is the easiest way. And it doesn't matter if it's maintenance, collision, general repairs. If you have a car that needs fixing, it needs parts, it needs components, it needs repair panels, check out CarParts.com. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if it's you know your newer vehicle or even your older vehicle. A lot of hard-to-find parts. They've got it. Their inventory is insane. And because of that huge inventory, the way they kind of stock, they're ready to roll with everything, you get huge savings. So not only is it easy, but you're saving on the wallet, and that always makes you feel good. Amen. All right, we are fired up, y'all. Greg Murchison joins us today on the podcast, Kinsler Fuel Injection, you guys. Greg, I'm just going to ask you right out of the gate, man. What? Tell us about the magic. How, how did it... How did it happen? How did it come about? Who the man behind the curtain? Explain, explain, explain. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Kevin. Uh, and thanks, Willie B., for having me on. Uh, greatly appreciate that. Um, the company started, as uh, Kevin pointed out, in 1967 by uh, Jim Kinsler. And he is still there every day. He uh, just turned 81. And uh, he's very involved. Um, I run all the day-to-day -day stuff. I do uh, general design of injection units and fuel system development for all the way from, as you pointed out, the vintage cars, all the way to the state of the art. Uh, we just came off of a couple of big races, uh, the Baja 500 with the trophy trucks and, um, of course, the Indy 500. Uh, so, yeah, I've, I've been very blessed. Um, my story is a little unusual. Um, I actually walked in the wrong door. Um, <laughs> That's the story of my life, but it never led me anywhere good. Let, right? Let's hear yours. It, well, 
as as Kevin can probably relate, um, you know, being in town in, in the Detroit area, um, I had a um, my background in racing, <clears throat> which of course we don't advise is street racing. My man, me too. Or yeah, back in the day, <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, back yeah. in the day, back in the day, we, we don't encourage that. Take your vehicle to the racetrack. Yep. Um, but I was a um, heavy uh, into visiting Ram Chargers, the performance oh, center. Oh, boys, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. And uh, knew those guys pretty well because I, uh, which I still own. I still have my 70 GTO. And, oh, um, man, it must, hey, Greg, it must have hurt. I don't mean to interrupt you, but it must have hurt. But, you know, knowing those guys are so much faster and those Mopar guys were. You know, always taking titles and track championships and all that stuff back in the day. Well, you know, Willie, to be honest, when you beat them <laughs> and you open your hood and it is really a Pontiac instead of a big block Chevy like they figured you had, <laughs> it's quite embarrassing because when I tell them I only turned 6,200 RPM, they can't figure out the math. <laughs> That's those Mopar guys. They struggle with that math. <laughs> oh, 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 I like this guy. <laughs> oh, okay, um, Pontiac. Well, oh, boy. <laughs> 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 um, so, so I was, I was putting nitrous on my car and, uh, need it. the guys at Ram chargers didn't have the part, uh, the fitting I needed. And they said, well, you go up into Troy and you go to this place. And there was, um, which is now a defunct company. It was a short lived nitrous company. And, um, uh, I pulled in and I do what everybody still to this day does. You stop at the first door in the building. And I walked in, I said, yeah, I'm looking for some parts for my car. And this guy comes out, well, are you into cars? I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, you working? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of laid off right at the moment. He goes, uh, you interested in a job? I said, what are we talking about? <laughs> he goes, well, you're in Kinsler fuel injection. You you wanted the nitrous place, but you're not leaving here until we talk about this job. Wow. Wow. That's an interview right there, man. Whew. What? And that was 41 years ago, bro. Wow. 41 years. Man. I had to do a lot more. So I had to do a lot more hustling to get a job. I'm telling you, you just fell right into that <laughs> he one. You just showed up. You almost were swimming by and got hooked, right? You're like, "What's this?" And yeah, I was just an innocent bystander. Kevin, and, uh, Kevin, I think I, I, I speak for a lot of people, uh, especially you know us car guys, because normally that's the same story. We were kids going to a, a place looking down hunting for parts. I, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say, uh, huh? I can't believe you got the job that easy, man. <laughs> Been there 41 <laughs> years and basically just looking for parts? That's amazing. <laughs> well, what's what's also amazing, I mean, if you've been in their their facility, see what they do, right? I mean, uh, they're not just stamping out parts left and right. I mean, they are one off, you know, full CNC, full custom. I mean, they do so many very unique, you know, kind of variants. Uh, I think half the people on this planet that are car guys would kill to get Greg's job, and here he just sort of stumbled right into it. You know, like that's pretty Man. awesome. Well, and, and it's been a lot of fun. I've I've learned a lot, and uh, you know. One of the things that, you know, growing up reading the car magazines and that, you know, you saw all the names, you know, and you're like, oh, wow, someday, man, it would be cool to, to know this guy or get to talk to him. And then, you know, so many years later, um, they call you and they're asking you your opinion. And um, I had a very, um, which he's semi-retired now, but uh, I was just such a great honor to deal with Ed Pink himself. And, oh, wow. and yeah. you know, he would call me and say, Hey, Greg, I'm, we're working on this. What do you think? And that's just like, 
it's almost emotional to talk about that because you, I mean, he's, they don't call him the old master for nothing. And uh, I mean, it was quite, you know, you don't want to get a big head and that's not our style. You know, you know, the experts are those 18 year old kids that, you know, search the internet. Um, They're young enough to know everything. We just do it a lot. (laughs) You know, that's what my boss says. We're not the experts. We just do it a lot. And we try really hard to deliver as, as you guys pointed out, a good quality product, but first and foremost, and this is so greatly overlooked in the racing industry is the safety aspect. You know, we design our products to make sure that that racer um, is, is safe. In other words, his life is depending on the last little, little thing. A 1032 bolt could be the life and death difference. Cause I mean, you're doing, you know, you know, at ND you're doing 230, 232. You turn the car, you throttle it, you expect it to do what you're asking that vehicle to do. And that's one of the things that we really strive Um you know, not just the performance, the performance, of course, is important, you know, as engineers have told me, you know, it, it doesn't matter about fuel economy and emissions. Well, I should say the OEM guys say it's only emissions and fuel economy. I don't care about the power where we don't care about those other two things. <laughs> right. That's why, that's why you're on there this you call. Go. Yeah. <laughs> my, my job is to burn up as much fuel as I can. That's my job. Because fuel yes. is power, and that's the bottom line. Right. So. Amen. Well, take us Amen. back in time a little bit. Uh, walk us through, because you know a lot of folks, uh, you know, they've probably seen, you know, one of these kind of stack setups on, you know, a gasoline car with probably EFI. But go back in time. I mean, it used to be all kind of mechanical. So maybe walk through those setups. Who still uses them? Uh, and is there a difference between that and like a Lucas mechanical injection? Uh, and then, of course, we've got all the modern fuel injection type controls and software and everything else. So, yeah, give us a little history lesson. Yeah, it's it's really evolved. In other words, the the original systems were the the mechanical injection systems, and we still do, as you pointed out, a lot of a lot of those type of systems. Um, typically, you'll see in uh, sprint cars. Um, I mean, that's where probably most of the mechanical injections used. Um, drag racing still your pull trucks, your pull tractors, you know, it's still widely used and we still continue to v- develop components. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, that we really have taken those systems to another level is we developed our own fuel pump, uh, what we call the tough pump. That was to, uh, we found that was a weak link in their systems as we developed higher and pr- higher pressure systems. In other words, like a World of Outlaw 410 motor, um, you know, they're, they're producing well, depends on who's dyno. Uh, exactly. <laughs> there's always that debate. Yes. Uh, about, about 910, 920 horsepower, but we're operating that fuel system at 120, 130 PSI. So, so the mechanical systems are still widely used. Then they start out, Greg, is like um, diesel was the reason they really had that, uh, the, the origin, right? The, the pressure needed to, to, to push the fuel in the air and, and, right. and life, yeah. but diesel was the origin of that stuff, right? Yeah, D- diesel was uh, the rudimentary start of it. Um, they, um, and that's why Lucas, Lucas timed injection, they also did a lot of Luke, uh, diesel work. So um, it, it evolved into using the Lucas mechanical timed into the road racing, you know, back in the day, the mm-hmm. Can-Am cars, which we still restore all of that wow. type stuff. Um, you know, we're in the process of doing a, a, a 64 ND car with a twin overhead cam Ford 
with its mechanical injection system right now. So we still do um, that work. We still do that restoration work, you know, um, as well as, you know, Kevin pointed out the latest and greatest um, stuff that you see and some of our coolest stuff I can't even tell you guys about because of the NDAs. <laughs> um, but there's some seriously cool stuff out there that um, you would find very fascinating. And Greg, hey, Greg just dropped a term on you. Some of you may be unfamiliar with NDA's non-disclosure agreement. It means legally he's not allowed to tell us about the goodies that he's working on. Uh, they do have some great stuff, though, but that means he's working on some good, some really good stuff, and they make you sign documents to say you can't talk about it. Um, but you, you did start talking about that tough pump, and, and, man, you could certainly see where that was a needed commodity because that tends to be a point of you know, failure with a lot of systems. Uh, or a point that needed to be at least uh, addressed. Yeah, in other words, you know, like like we tell people, the pump doesn't go bad riding around in the trailer. <laughs> um, it, it goes bad on the track. And, you know, like like my boss has always said since day one, since that day back when I walked in the door, um, I don't want to be the guy responsible. It might be your one and only shot to be on the pole of the Indy 500. It's not going to be my fault that you didn't make it or you didn't finish the race. So we take every every system to that level, whether it's the guy's high performance streetcar or it's the latest and greatest, you know, trophy truck. You know, like I said, we just came out of the Baja 500. Um, they're in a whole development program. Those guys have really stepped up their game um, and they're in development of big block Chevys to power these things. Um yeah, it's it's quite quite interesting. They they are really seeing the advantages. Kevin pointed out earlier is the the IR isolated runner, which is the technical name for what we do, the ITBs. Um, as far as with the CNCs, it's really allowed us to speed our R and D process way up. In other words, I can I can write a program and make a runner, do a, a shape, do put fins in the runner. There's so much that we can do which we've always been able to do. You just had to do it old school. Uh, like when I started, you had to cast it and grind it and change patterns. And it was a very lengthy process where it would take you months to develop a new manifold. Now I can do it. Our record was with the um, Lexus when we did the, uh, when they were doing you know, a road race car, the GT, a GT car. Um, we went from blank piece of paper to a finished running injection unit in 14 days. Um, wow. So, <laughs> so. Wow. <laughs> there's a lot of little pieces, parts, and fine precision. Like, this is Swiss, 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 <laughs> Swiss watch type of stuff, some of it, you know? Yeah, the, the, the CNCs have definitely helped that area because you can go from, you know, rapid prototyping, if you will to quick development and make changes in, in between engine builds, you know, or special linkage pieces. You know, one of the things that we've really, um, I feel we're in front on is the drive-by-wire technology for, for racing. Um, in other words, a lot of people are familiar with their modern car is drive-by-wire. Um, electronic throttle control, people use different terms. The the thing is, is most people are taking the factory east, the, the factory control unit, the motor, which is a very simplistic and not a very powerful uh, unit. 
where we've designed our own motor package where you can actually program the throttle. And this gets a, a workaround a problem like Willie B talked about earlier, these big, great big throttles on these engines. Um, we can control the throttle electronically and control the, the, the speed rate of how quick the throttle opens versus how much pedal input. Now, a lot of the race car drivers, believe it or not, actually don't like these systems. It, it, they feel dissociated from the car. Um, they're moving the pedal, but they're not getting any feedback from the car. But when it comes to the programming, you can, you can actually, the, the top level teams actually have different programs for different drivers. As they change drivers, they'll switch to a different pedal program. So he gets that feel for his driving style and it helps keep the, the drivetrain alive. But we spent a lot of time developing these motors that can survive in a, in a very vigorous environment and power, you know, our eight throttles, our great eight big throttles. It's kind of cool to see, right, the evolution that the the core of it, right, the stacks, individual, you know, runners and everything is is still there and the performance is still there, but you're adapting the latest in controls and technology because I think a lot of folks are very familiar with, you know, in their personal cars and these newer cars, right, just like you said, the drive-by-wire. And then we've, you know, shown on the show many times different systems out there where you can kind of pigtail into that and change that profile because a lot of those profiles are pretty lame for us performance guys so yeah i think you know there's a few of us out there that can really relate to that technology and it's cool how you guys are integrating it in so why don't we take a quick break when we come back we're going to dive super deep into this whole individual throttle body stack setup we got greg from kinsler fuel injection it's willie b kevin bird on the two guys garage podcast we'll be right back It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I and Willie B is presented by CarParts.com. We thank him for it. Grab that mobile experience next time you need a part. You'll have it dropped right to your door. Um, it is simple and easy. Whether that's your front door, back door, garage door. Make it happen, CarParts.com. We have Greg Murchison on. Uh, Kinsler Fuel Injection, you guys. Find it. Google it. You'll notice real fast these guys go above and beyond you know, your typical fuel injection company. The R&D, like our boy Greg here has been there 41 years uh, and still in the thick of it. Now, Greg, if, if you don't mind, can you allude a little bit, you know, as to the tuning capabilities? You know, when some of these guys and I go to car shows, man, some of the big oh wows are, you know, when they pop the hood and they see those stacks and those length tubes, you know, feeding each, each cylinder and each runner. And you're like, well, what's going on exactly there in the in the links, and how do you tune for that? And explain a little bit on what you guys are looking for, and how you you get such performance out of it. Uh, really dependent on on that too. Is it all about velocity or what? Um, there's there's two things. There's there's volume and and velocity. And most people are familiar with headers, right? Header links and collectors and in that type of stuff. Well. The same thing is actually going on on the intake side of, of the engine. In other words, when the intake valve closes, the air basically bounces off the back of the intake valve. So it starts getting a pulse, right? It start the, the term ram tube, right? In other words, you're ram tuning the air. In other words, a properly developed runner with a proper length, you can increase the efficiency of the engine over theoretical, meaning it goes past 100%. You can take them up to 100, 112 to 118% efficiency. So what's happening 
is when, when that air is bouncing off, it's setting up that frequency, as I said, a wave, right? It's going up and down and up and down. And because the engine is purely mechanical, um, that, that frequency becomes a, a locked function of that engine combination, meaning that camshaft typically, um, obviously combined with the cylinder head. So we can take that runner length and if you shorten it, I mean, these are very general conversations. If you shorten the, the runner length, we move the power up in RPM. In other words, if you're looking at a dyno sheet, it would be take the entire power curve and, and shift it to the right. So your power moves up, you get more top end, but you lose bottom end is the way people would talk about it. So the reverse is also true. If you, uh, if you go to a taller stack, it produces more torque. So it takes that power curve on the dyno sheet and moves it to the left. So depending on what you're trying to get that engine to do, where you want that power to be, you know, if you're road racing, you want a broader curve. So you get into the staggered stacks. The, you mentioned the vintage look uh, on a couple of occasions here. If you go back to the original Can-Am cars with the staggered stacks, what they were doing is taking those two frequencies and averaging them so they could smooth the torque out. And that actually still goes on in a modern day. Uh, we just came off the uh, race at Belle Isle where the um, DPI cars, where we do all the Cadillacs, uh, they actually run four different length stacks. I can wow, talk a little four bit different about their intakes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because, because uh, the rules, they have a horsepower cap in their class, but the cap is horsepower. Mm. It doesn't have anything to do with the curve. Yeah. So they're, so what they try to do is get that curve up as quick and as high as you can for as long as you can. So they spend a lot of time in frequency on the dyno, um, tuning those, those stack links to get those pulses so we can get the maximum amount of torque and still meet their horsepower cap for those. Yeah. Times. I mean, most people, when, when you see a, 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 a dyno curve, you know, for torque, for power, right? That's a accumulation of, it's a couple of layers. So, right, it's your cam. So what cam did you pick? You know, is it advanced? Is it retarded? So that's going to give you kind of a tuning spike at some RPM. You got your header tuning. That's going to give you some tuning spikes at other RPMs. And then your intake's giving you, right, these tuning spikes. And you, you lay them all together, and that's what gives you the total curve, your total power curve. Uh, but now you've got this extra knob, right? So if you think about just your cam, you can advance and retard it, and you can move your power band up and down. Uh, typically, you buy a set of headers. It's a fixed length, but you can try, you know, depending on your application, maybe a little shorter, maybe a little longer, or you custom make them for what you think. But the intake side is awesome because now you've got an additional thing. Like Greg said, you can spread your curve around. You can go for a particular peak. You can go for, you know, what's going to give you the best drivability for what you're trying to accomplish. And it's so easy to tune because you just pop off a stack and throw a different one on of a different length and go, oh, that's exactly what I need. And you can move it up and down a little bit with relative ease, right? Correct. What, what we do, uh, what we offer uh, our customers is what we would call a dyno set of stacks. In other words, the, the, for lack of a better term, each stack is cut up like a, like a loaf of bread, except for each slice is a different thickness. So he just takes like the blue painter's tape and you just tape them together and you can try different links 
and see what that motor likes and where your power is in a, in a properly tuned engine can be as sensitive as an eighth of an inch, believe it or oh, not. Wow. You know, if, wow. if you, if you really know what you're looking for, yeah. the thing is most people are just kind of throwing it at the wall and hoping something sticks. And, and, you know? and when do you, when do you hit a, hit a ceiling, right? Cause for me, if you're pouring ahead, right, you'll get to a spot where you're pouring so much, and all of a sudden, it, the the air will get interrupted. It comes off the floor, you know, of or a bend, you know, through a through a turn, and it, it starts to tumble. It, is there a point that you guys reach a I don't know critical mass or saturation in that regard, as far as you know, tuning when it, when does it fall over? Or well, I mean, how do you detect well, that? Well, airflow. Air I mean, the best way I try to describe air moving is that it's really thin water because people are a visual, you know, creature. We like to look at things. Um, you know, we like to see things. So if you kind of visualize the air as very thin, very thin water, you can kind of visualize it moving through the, the intake and the air doesn't like to uh, move more than a, like a five degree angle. So if you make any sharp bumps or, you know, you know, going back to, you know, gasket matching, you know, back in the day, you know, now we can CNC heads where, or you get CNC heads, we CNC the manifold because we do complete CNCing of the manifold. You can put it together. You can't even see the separation between the two. So you, you want to increase or decrease the volume of the intake and the throttle size too. In other words, it's all... There's three things going on. There's the throttle size, there's the runner volume, and then there's the stack length. And those three all kind of meld together into a ball to make the intake manifold. You know, uh, Kevin's mentioned the cross rams several times. Um, we have several, um, a big block Chevy, um, which we designed originally back in the day for the Greenwood Corvette. Um, and then we have the LS7 cross ram, um, and uh, there's other stuff again that I can't talk about, but there's there's other cross rams. Um, and typically, cross rams aren't the best for performance, but there's usually either a rule or you know some hood restraint where that's really important. You, you, you tend to have two crowds when it comes to that, like in the in the hot rod street rod type thing. They either want it under the hood, or they want it so far out the hood it's like sick. So, um, <laughs> so we, we do it both ways. You know, we still make a big block with the staggered stacks to give you that can-am look, um, you know, whatever we, we design intake systems for the customer's project and application all the way from the top tier race teams. You know, we work with, you know, GM racing and, and, and Ford and, you know, many of the others, Toyota, um, all the way down to the guy who's just building his his passion, his street rod. He's always dreamed of this building this car, and uh, you, you'll see. Like Kevin said, if you were at the shop, you'd see such a such a weird mix of stuff being done. So, well, Willie, I think you know one of the the intended benefits of one of these setups is you're trying to get a lot straighter, smoother, and you know, as Greg mentioned, you're trying not to get some sharp bends like you do in a port, trying to get you know, from kind of flat to then making the turn where the valve is and whatnot. Right. But there is uh, generally, you know, the port, you know, once you're kind of working your way from the valve up towards the intake face, that port cross-sectional area 
is important, right? Just as we know with the old Hemis, they were so huge that maybe they didn't have quite the bottom end, they didn't have quite the response, but holy crap, could they flow some air? So there is probably some trade-offs, you know, once you're working your way up, you're picking your throttle size, because that's gonna kind of set your, your peak airflow capability by choking out. Uh, and that's gonna set your, your diameter as you're working your way up the stack. And as Greg mentioned, it's sort of a volume kind of calculation, volume and length. So if you had a bigger diameter, bigger port, you might need a, a shorter stack per se, because you're working with that volume and how it's interacting. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure you can get to a point where you're over diametered and you don't have necessarily the same um, response, but you maybe could make more power. Correct. Right. Um, it would change the tuning frequency. And one of the other things that it does, like what you're, where you're kind of headed is um, this is a really common problem. Guys will go to a swap meet and buy an old injection unit that's huge and they'll put it on a, a stock engine. Um the throttles then become so are so big because back in the day, you know, we we followed the American adage: when in doubt, make it bigger, right? If you want to go, if you want to go more, just make a bigger <laughs> motor, right? You know, no no yeah, dis, no replacement for displacement. <laughs> replacement for displacement. But if yeah, you do man. the math, right? An engine is just a math function. You know, talk about you know kids and education. An engine is just a gigantic math problem with lots of variables going on. And if you can kind of dive into it, it's it's a very sophisticated thing. You know, like I've always said, anybody can put an engine together and make an engine run. That's not hard. This goes up and down and this goes around. Okay, simple. What separates that guy from a true engine builder is getting the engine to do what you want it to do, where you want it to do it. That's where that's where the magic magic happen. That's where you need to understand to cam timing, magic. Yeah, you know, man. valve event, you know, piston speed, you know, that type of stuff. It's it's funny. I, I I used to know this guy who was um lead mechanic on the NASCAR team, and he he showed me some behind the scenes footage of a, a a video basically that was done on one of their engines where they just sit there and measured all the the back and forth of the air movement throughout the engine and how that engine would just basically breathe as a living organism through all these different RPM ranges. And it's crazy the difference what an engine is doing at 4,000 RPM compared to what it does at 9,000 RPM. Um, so to be able to tune throughout that big variable has got to be, it's got to be a difficult job, but it's got to be really cool as far as eking every ounce of performance out. Absolutely, it is. And and you see that in the modern design engines where they have the variable cam timing events. Basically, they're now using the electronics to help complement that, right? It's like having two different camshafts, right? Where, you know, or, back in the or infinite number of camshafts, right? Exactly. Yeah, I was going to I was going to bring up the same thing. I mean, talk about you know, to your point, Willie, the dynamics happening at 4,000 and 7,000 or 1,500 are completely different. And that's the beauty of being able to fully adjust a cam. And if we were uh, able to, we'd do a fully adjustable intake manifold and probably exhaust uh, as well to try to get all of those things to be optimal throughout the, you know, complete usable range. But at least in racing, we're typically in a smaller power band than a you know, a streetcar where you're at idle and you're at cruise and you're at good fuel right, economy right. point, And then you're wahoo trying to go wide open. 
Um, now, Greg, real quick, um, you guys have obviously everything possible to make any combination of custom design, but you also have some kind of off the shelf type products. And I've seen so many of them. You talked about your big block one. I know we did one years ago on a show. Actually, it was back with Brian Fuller. We did an Impaler big block sure. uh, with the cross ram. That thing came out so sweet. Now, what else do you have? Anything new that you've been developing for the uh, you know, for the aftermarket kind of guy? Um, of course, you know, the big block is, is like the number one. I mean, that's the, the main thing. Um, small block Chevys, we've got several different manifolds. Um, when it comes to the hot rod scene, what I find is that a person kind of has in his mind's eye what he wants his project to look like. So it's not uncommon for, for the guy to not really care about like which model it is or the performance per se, but he wants to know a certain, he wants a certain appearance. Um, and so we, we do that too, you know, all the way to doing um, a big thing right now um, is the Porsches. We do the Porsche, Ooh, the Porsche ITVs, yeah. the air cooled motors. And there's a lot of really cool stuff coming for that. You're going to really, it's going to just flip you out. Some of the stuff that we're doing. But Those cars are so hot right now. And I can only imagine right? Getting one of your setups on it, just give it that extra performance feel that, that, you know, extra look, uh, just kind of puts the whole bow on, well, on those early air-cooled motors. You, you touched upon this earlier is, is the quality. There's a lot of ITV kits for the Porsches. Uh, a lot of people think they know what they're doing and I don't mean to, to knock anybody's product, but they don't make a quality component or use quality components. And on an air-cooled engine, there's a lot of expansion, contractions, things are moving around. So isolating the heat, um, you know, having good quality linkage components all comes into play for that end user's experience. Because as you guys know, the worst thing you can have is go think you're going to go out for a cruise in your car and it won't start or it's popping and banging. Now, what, hey, before we run out of time, what what type Porsche are we talking about? The the nine hundred fours, the nine fourteen, some of those older. Uh, early... Well, based off of the nine nine eleven, the nine eleven is okay. Okay, people, people, you know, when I entered into doing the Porsche stuff years ago, um, I thought they were all the same. I thought they were like a small block Chevy, right? You saw one nine eleven, you've seen them all, dude. There, there are so many combinations, and there's and there's aftermarket components. I mean, it's a whole field all on itself. It's, it's pretty amazing. And those guys, those guys are as passionate as the flathead board guys. Oh, yeah. They're some compassionate people. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're actually involved in a development program right now with a, with a guy developing some stuff for the flathead Ford. So it's, it's really cool. There's cool stuff going on all the time, all the way from, like I said, the street market, all the way to the top end. Well, find it all, Kinsler Fuel Injection, you guys. Where do people see you socially and find out more? Um, of course, we have an Instagram account, uh, you know, Kinsler Fuel Injection. And then, of course, on the web, uh, Kinsler.com. And, of course, you can always call us. I know nobody wants to pick up the phone, but you can always give us a call. <laughs> but uh, Kinsler.com or, or just, uh, you know, hit us up on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. We'll, we're, we're not as good at it as we should be, but we'll get back to you. There you go, man. 
KinslerFuelInjection.com. Don't forget about our show, Air Weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand, which is a great way to find us. Thanks to our guest, Mr. Greg Murchison, Kinsler Fuel Injection, you guys. My man Kevin Bird, I'm Willie B, a producer Scoop, and executive producer Bob Ecker. Yeah, guys, don't forget to check out our website. We've got one, too, twoguysgarage.com, and we're everywhere on social, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at twoguysgarage. Now, this Two Guys Garage podcast, it's copyrighted, 2021, Britain Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. So listen, share, but don't steal. Ah, steal it. Have fun with it, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Just bring it back when you're done. Yeah, yeah, not too abused. We'll catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. We'll see you guys. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.